For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Believe in Hornets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam. Muggsy's with me. Muggsy, how are you? Hello, my friend. How's it going? Hey, things are going pretty well. <laughs> things are going pretty well. Uh, very exciting day in the NBA. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of news to talk about. Yes, we'll get, yes. We're going to get into it all. I know it's a Hornets podcast. We're going to talk about the Hornets, how they got out, and what they did on deadline day. But I feel like we should talk about the rest of the league first, and then we can focus on the rest of the Hornets, on the Hornets for the rest of the show. Uh, so we're gonna, for y'all out there listening, we're going to talk uh, trade deadline, ins and outs. We're going to talk Hornets trade the Hornets trade today, and then as well as LaMelo's injury and how the mm-hmm. team shapes up for the rest of the way. There's like 30 or so games left. Rest of the season, yeah. Hornets are looking pretty good. Looking pretty good right now. So they can keep it up. Yeah. But uh, Muggsy, uh, just first off, uh, as a, from a player's point of view, like, I, you know, I've, I've only, ex- only experienced trade deadline day as a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it like for a player? Like the rumors, <laughs> the uncertainty. Can you talk about um, – how, how that, that other day is from a player's well, point of view? Yeah, I mean, from a player perspective, I mean, of course, rumors is going to be out there. And if your name is constantly in those rumors, you know about it. You hear about it. And uh, it's just a matter of just continuing to be a professional because it's out of your control. Um, some folks do have control more than others. You know, as we witnessed what happened to Hardy early on during the season, being able to, to you know, force his way out. But uh, for the most part, you have no control. Uh, you just got to just go. What you know best is just maintaining, you know, your standing because it's out of your control. And the players, they understand that. Uh, but, again, it's a, a unstressed time, especially when if you don't want to be moved. Allow me a second to thank one of our sponsors, Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. March Madness is upon us. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I want to talk about Vucevic. That, that is, for me, is the big dog of this trade deadline a lot a guy that a lot of hornets fans were very interested in given the position he plays and his skill set uh what do you make of the bulls really going for it and making a move for vucevic pairing him with zach levine excellent move excellent move with chicago um i didn't know he was on the move i didn't know he was out there he was available and i know that the hornets kind of had their eye on him and i helped that they would have kind of pulled that trick but unfortunately Something didn't materialize and it didn't work out with us, uh, with the Hornets, I should say. Um, so, you know, Chicago, you know, they right there with a game out of 
uh, yeah. uh, out of uh, they might be in eighth place sitting right there on a game out of. Yeah, so the Bulls uh, are in tenth place right now. Tenth place, just three games. wins away from where the Hornets are in fourth. Like it's yeah. it's real close. That's how tight the uh, the East is, and so making a move like that will definitely put them over the edge. He's definitely giving that inside presence. He can score. He plays both ends of the floor, and with an exciting player like Zach Levine, I mean that just really adds to the fire. So it's a good move by Chicago. Yeah, uh, Billy Donovan must be super psyched right now with this front office. They just added an all two-time all-star uh, to pair with a, a good, the Bulls have a lot of young players that they parted yes. with as well to make the deal happen and give away some first round, future first round picks. Uh, it was looking like they were going to end the day with Lonzo Ball as well. Uh, that trade didn't materialize. So like for the majority of the day, people were like, oh man, if the Bulls end up with Levine, Vooch and Lonzo Ball, that is a that all of a sudden is a three that can be really dangerous in the Eastern Conference. It didn't work out, but all in all, the Bulls really went for it. I think oh, they knocked it out the park. I respect, I respect the uh, the intent. That like it's a letter of intent yeah. to the rest of the league. Like, hey, we're we're in this. We're coming after this still. Like, who's a, who's who? so they're right behind the Pacers, the mm-hmm. Celtics, the Hawks, the Knicks, the Heat in that order, and then the Hornets are right there. So like, yeah, yeah. those teams ahead I mean, of them need to watch out. Absolutely. I mean, here it is. Who would think that the Celtics be sitting in the eighth spot? You know, at this juncture in the season, uh, and it goes to show that you know they needed help too. They made a move yep. as well, and bringing in Fortier. So um, that's what the lead is doing. Everybody trying to find a piece that can get them over to that next level, can get them over that hurdle. Um, Hornets made the move uh, by you know mellow man out and bringing in Watermaker. So uh, everybody's out there trying to see how they can. Uh, Better that team. Rondo going to the Clippers, which mm-hmm. is an excellent move for them. So it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. I, I Also, I'd be remiss to not mention the Nuggets um, trading for mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon and yes. JaVale McGee. Uh, that Nuggets team, we saw them in the season. Um, they started off the losing streak the Hornets went on, mm-hmm. uh, which well-deserved. That Nuggets team is really nice. Jokic is a monster. And they were able to add Aaron Gordon and JaVale McGee without – giving up any of their core pieces in um, Michael Porter Jr. Obviously, um, oh, while well, I'm blanking on the point. Well, they had to lose Harris. Yeah, Gary Harris yeah. is a loss for sure. Yeah. But um, they really, like, leveled up. Because, like, they had Jeremy Grant last year, who was a major role right. player for them. Right. And they had no real replacement for him. And now I think they've leveled up a little bit with Aaron Gordon being in the mix. And JaVale McGee played there, very athletic. He's won with the Lakers. Um, what do you make of the, the Nuggets move? Because for them, they're sitting um, in the fifth spot in the West, a very tough, very tough battle uh, to get up into the uh, higher part of the standings. Like they're in fifth place in the West. They're 26 mm-hmm. wins, two wins away from the Suns, who are in second yeah. place in the West. The Jazz are kind of run away with it. But uh, how do you make uh, how do you make out of the tread deadline for uh, uh, Denver Nuggets? A move they had to make. I mean, a move they tremendously had to make. I'm losing Grant was a big deal for them. Because they lost that big wing, that big uh, body presence to play those bigger wing guys. You know, you got, you know, even though you got Porter and, and as well as, uh, you know, on the I'm wing, right, yeah. yeah. as well as Will Barton. But those guys are kind of small. You know, Millsap is kind of up there now, you know, more of a veteran in his league. Mm-hmm. And bringing in a young guy like Aaron Gordon just uplift them. And, you know, and I, I guess that might move Millsap to the bench and have him coming off the bench and, it's where they will kind of regenerate that 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 starting five because they got some power with you know the Joker and then having um, uh, 
uh, Mary and now Ed Gordon, yeah. you know, along with the young, you know, reporter. I mean, that could be really, really scaring, you know, like I say, great move by um, the Nuggets. I think they understand what position they needed to go in and they made that move. You know, giving up Harris was definitely, you know, will be, you know, hurt in some regards because he's a three point shooter. But I think they add a lot because Aaron can hit the three ball as well. Joining the podcast now is uh, Rod Boone, a veteran NBA writer. He's the author, creator of the Hive Vibes newsletter. Rod, how you doing? I'm doing great today. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm glad you can kick it with us and, and hop on the podcast. And it's a fun day to do it. You know, it's a very big day. Absolutely. Trade <laughs> deadline day, man. A lot of madness happening. You know, the Hornets didn't do too much, um, but I think it was expected because the team they have right now and with them not trying to get rid of the assets for the future, you didn't think they would go out there and try to do anything crazy. So knowing Mitch Kupchak, he kind of plays his hand the way he usually does. Yeah, so um, basically, the Hornets have left deadline day with Brad Wanamaker, a uh, veteran point guard. Well, he's is is it veteran? Is veteran fair? Like it's a weird one. He's he's, he's a lot of experience, right? He's played overseas, uh, probably three seasons in the NBA, um, but you know, established professional player at the very least, right? Uh, can you talk about that deal and what that would bring to the Hornets? I guess if anything else, it gives them depth. Obviously, the position because you know they have a lot of guards with Lamelo getting injured and him probably not for the season the way it looks right now. The Hornets are going to be a playoff team. You have to be able to have depth at the position. So I guess they figured um, the number was good for them. Whatever they had, they had to get to acquire him wasn't too much. It looks like so. I guess from the Hornets' perspective, it's just an insurance policy to just make sure you're protected in case something else happens injury wise. That, that all makes sense. I'm quite sure that's what Mitch. And I'm probably was thinking, uh, I was, um, you know, my thinking, of course, with Melo going down, I know they needed, um, uh, it was a need in that area, you know, along with Devontae coming back and being able to have him in the lineup and still having somebody able to come off the bench to, to give him and believe him at, you know, doing some part of time. But I thought they probably would address the center position um, in some kind of regards to, you know, because of the nature of where they are in. And what they are have been doing thus far, uh, no discredit, no discredit from uh, Cody or Bismack, what they've done thus far. But I think in terms of the rim protection, getting into that early transition game, what they love to do, especially with a guy like Melo, would have been a, a concern or been an interest. I agree with you there, Mugsley, because the Hornets, you know, let's be honest, again, Cody and Bismack are two really good guys, man, but they don't feel the need in terms of trying to be a playoff team. They said get, be, to be up-tempo, play a point guard in the pick and roll, because you have to have those nice, soft hands as a big man with a mellow ball. He passes the ball, um, like, like most point guards, sometimes when you're watching the ball coming, he's making sure you're going to have it in your hands. you got to have your hands at all times ready. And if you don't have great hands as a center, it's not going to work for you. So I agree. I thought they would address that position. But knowing Ms. Kupchak, the asking price is probably too high his liking. They may have said, I want a first-round draft or give me two second-round draft picks. So knowing him, he probably said, you know what, I don't want to do that because I want to protect my assets for the future. But I agree with you. I think they probably should have if the price was right, though. But they, I know they had a lot of assets to offer anyone, you know, with Malik Mock and um, as well as uh, Devontae Grant, his situation and so forth. Uh, but I, I, me and knowing Mitch, and I, I'd see where he – 
was looking and where he really paid the really true concerns and, and addressed that issue with Melo being out. And I haven't, you know, uncertainty not being able to come back, you know, especially with this run that they on. I think a guy like Watermaker really, really feels that need and, and gives uh, Devontae that cushion to be able to go out there and continue to be the player that he is. Here's something you may not know about me. I don't relax well. You know, things in life can get crazy. It can be hard to shut the brain off and chill. I tend to overthink. I get easily stressed out. It's not great. So I did my homework and found Sunday Scaries, which are delicious and vitamin-boosted CBD gummies. They become a must-have in the daily routine, and they chill me out in just about 20 minutes. Basically, they help me take the edge off so I can maintain my composure and live scare-free. And there's no risk to buy. The company offers a 100% lifetime money-back guarantee. If the product's not for you, that's okay. You'll get your money back. Sunday Scaries is in the stress-relieving business, not the stress-causing business. I got you 25% off to prove it. Visit sundayscaries.com. Use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your discount. That's promo code BELIEVE for 25% off at sundayscaries.com. They're amazing, and you won't regret joining their squad. People um, talking to me about, you know, they're bummed out that he's a point guard, another guard, an older player. He'll be the oldest player on the team um, when he joins up. It's uh, not very exciting, but for Hornets fans, I would say, like, look at the bigger picture. The team is playing very well, and you have to balance that risk versus reward, right? You bring a new player in, you're at risking, and you're trading players out, you're risking disrupting the chemistry of the team, Um because the team is performing well. Like, what if you make a trade and the team dips and it doesn't work out? And so, I, largely, I'm pretty okay as a Hornets fan with the Hornets not making that big move because, realistically, what move could they make to really make an impact now? Like, the Nets are too far gone, right? The Sixes are too far gone. Uh, the West is a whole different story. So, I'm kind of cool with the, the Hornets kind of standing pat, playing the long game. And hopefully, you know, the offseason's coming up. Maybe they can do something then. I, I don't uh, – Rod, is there anything you think the Hornets um, will address in the offseason, that center position? Like a guy like Rashawn Holmes, maybe he'll be a free agent. Uh, Drummond will be out there as a free agent. Um, is there anything you're thinking the Hornets can, like, pull the trigger on maybe to fortify the center position this summer? I mean, they're definitely going to have to address it because it's a need. Um, this Mac Miyamo came back on a one-year deal. You know, Cody is up. So you have to kind of – find a way to get younger and athletic at that position. So I can see him going out looking at the free agent market and see if they can find somebody in that route, but it could also be the draft. They may say um, our first round draft pick this year may be a big man who we know we can definitely groom who can be somebody we can count on for years to come. So I definitely see them just in that position for sure. Do you mention like, you know, like Malik Monk, like what do you do with him? Um, you know, you're going to resign him. He's obviously restricted free agent, so you kind of can match things if he goes out there and gets different deals. But what number is he at? Like, what value do you see in Malik Monk right now? So I think that's also part of the reason why he probably was not traded because with Lamelo getting hurt, now you have a small numbers on your bench. Malik Monk's role has increased now to be more of a sixth, seventh man type of guy. So if you got rid of him potentially for somebody else, you know how would you? kind of fix that hole. So I think they have decisions to make for sure this offseason. But to me, top of the list is finding a big man to kind of pair with Melo to kind of help complement his game out there on the floor. Well, I'm going to throw a name out there for you. What about John Collins? Mm. I like it. 
But like that but does he fit into the budget? As you know, Muggsy, it always comes down to economics. Well, it's gonna well, that's what it's gonna have to be. You're gonna have to start, you're gonna have to pay in order to, you know, put yourself in this situation in order to get those type of players like this. So that's just a name I just threw out there, you know, a conversation that I've been we've been having, you know, behind the scenes. And um, I think a guy like that, along with the core that we have, and I'm a Malik fan. You know, I love Malik and I love what he's done. And, and I know Malik, I believe Malik is going to go out and be a really, really, you know, solid player going forward. Uh, what that cost may be, who knows? You know, but that's the decision they're going to have to make. But a guy that's out there that, 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 that piques my interest, you know, is a John Collins. And uh, for me, I would love Miles Turner. Not going to lie. Uh, he's 24 Miles years Turner? old. Yeah, he's 24 years old. He can block How low is John Collins? What's that? How low is John Collins? Is he, is he 21? 20. What? He's 20, what, 24, 24? He's younger than Miles Turner, right? So yeah, he's younger Miles Turner, and I think he's and a more explosive player than Miles Turner. He brings more to the table in terms of inside, outside, both ends of the floor. Now that would be interesting move because obviously he's playing for the Hawks, so that's the division rival. So you know how that goes, like. You go to but, your division rival, right? Like, how does that work? <laughs> well, they, they they let him become a free agent after the end of the season. So, obviously, something there wasn't there, you know, in terms of them letting him be in this position. So, it that's interesting to, to me. It seemed to – there's some reports about him having some friction with Trey Young. Um, I don't, like – I don't think that relationship is, like, ruined or anything like that. Maybe they can rectify it, figure that stuff out. Because since, since Nate McMillan's been in there, they've been winning. They've been winning a lot of yeah. games. They had like eight yeah. game win streak at one point, right? Before yeah, they lost the last two. It's the last one of the highest teams in the league right now, man. They were lost to Sacramento last night, which mm-hmm. is sad. A sad thing, but yeah. Um, so you know, for I guess for Hornets fans out there that were maybe disappointed in trade death in the trade deadline, specifically March 25th, it's not the end of the world. The, there's a whole offseason ahead of us, right? Uh, and the whole next season to figure stuff out. And you might have to restrict the free agents like Malik, uh, maybe. There's sign and trade possibilities as well. Like there's 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 tools to leverage uh, to help run the roster out looking into next year. Absolutely, and I think sometimes as fans they kind of get caught up in the trade deadline itself, saying, "Oh well, if we don't make that move by X date, we can't improve our team." So as you mentioned, there's two ways to improve the team from now until you know to basically off season. That's first the buyout market. You hope you can find somebody who maybe another team didn't think was helping them out. They want to go a different direction and you find them and, and give them some, some playing time and, and have them come help you out. But you're right. The other way is to just say, okay, come in your off season. We're going to basically regroup and reset our market because you'll see trades come draft night. And we know how that works because yeah. teams are trying to essentially get ready for the next, next fiscal year in the NBA. So I, I can see the Hornets essentially saying, you know what? All right. The pieces we have right now, they're good, but we want to get to the next level. We got to take some of them and kind of figure out how to move a piece or two and bring back something back in return, as you're saying. So I can see them making a trade or two in the offseason. Um, you know, the players you mentioned, I mean, even um, Terry Rozier is even one. Terry Rozier being the final year of his contract next year. Remember, people thought he was overpaid. Yeah. Yeah. He was getting that big contract and fans were up in arms. Well, now 
he's actually one of the most valuable players on the team in the roster. So he could bring you back value if you foresee yourself building around LaMelo and Devontae instead of throwing Terry in there. So I could see him going a number of ways this offseason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Devontae and Melo, I mean, that's, you know, that's point guards. Terry Bozier brings a whole dude, a whole dynamic to the ball game, which they really need a guy like that, you know, in terms of being able to create his own shot, take the pressure off of those guys. And the familiarity of him and Gordon Haywood has been really stellar in terms of seeing the connection them two having. So and that's something that they're going to have to address uh, about uh, Rogier because a guy like him, he really – and he's and he's a vet. He's understanding. He's been around it. And for a guy like that to be around, a guy like Melo, which Melo loves playing with him, you can tell, you know, the joy that they have out there. It creates that chemistry and it builds that core that they have. And it would be sad to see that kind of, you know, go away so early where you can kind of explore that and add on to that to be able to be the team that you're trying to be. Right. I think the problem, as you would know, playing the NBA as you did, is size. It's like, but, you know, obviously Melo's a tall guy back there. There you go. We have Devontae and Terry a lot of time in the same backcourt. When you get to the playoff rounds, it may work regular season time. The playoff time is different. They start game planning for you a little bit harder. They throw different looks at you that you probably haven't seen all year. And if you don't have that ability to kind of make sure that you're beating your man off the dribble with different ways because your stature – isn't the same as the opponent, then it could be a difficult thing for him. So I think long-term form, it doesn't work. But for right now, it's been absolutely, you know, goal for him this season. Yeah, and, and I, I get your point to that. But you look at the guards, they're not big guards in, in NBA no more. Two guards are not big guards anymore. The same thing you look around with Portland and Miami. I mean, you can look around the league, you know, even with up in, uh, in, in Boston, um, you know, with Kimball, but you got the two wing guys. Uh, but you got Marcus Smart, Campbell Walker. So, you know, you, you see, it's always small ball up there, but it's the way how they play. Mm-hmm. And I think with Haywood, that's the X factor for me. With Haywood and Melo having the size, and this is down the road for me. You know, this is down the road in terms of the next year possibly because Melo is out uh, with them being able to, you know, utilize that core because I hate to see when you have your core, you start – descending, going other places and trying to fit. And then all of a sudden, that's not your core anymore. You know, the PJ and Miles Turner, I mean, Miles Bridges, I see that the core, the three core right now with uh, LaMelo, Miles, and PJ, and uh, Rogier, and, and, and as well as Haywood, the X Factors on the outside. And Malik, you know, that's up in the air. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's the main, you know, how they got to try to keep those guys together. Right. To me, it's going to be about the bench as well for next year. It's like, how do you address the bench to get them to the level you want to, to be able to play to? Because you mentioned Malik is obviously X factor. You got to figure out what to do with him. But then if you don't bring him back, then where's is the scoring coming from? You know, you got to figure that out situation now. So they have, they have decisions to make. I mean, but they're good decisions. Let's think about it. Yeah. For the last few years, yeah. it's been like, man, we can't do anything. We're stuck in in cap heck. We can't get out of this thing because we have these large contracts, but now they're coming off the books one by one, and you can see, you know, just light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. You can see the team trying to be able to come out here and make some different moves. So I think, the, like I said, the core is there. Now it's about just figuring out how do you put the pieces around those guys without essentially messing up your future assets, if at all possible. Yeah, and, you know, just a crystal ball look, and I think, and I hate to say it, but after it's all said and done, 
I think Devontae is going to be the one that's to be, you know, moving elsewhere after, you know, because of Love My Love, you know, because Devontae has grown so much and he has so much to offer, you know, and I think he, is he on a two-year deal? Um, well, Devontae, this is actually the last year of his contract. This is last year. This last year of the contract. Year. So that's what they got to figure out. That's what I'm yeah. saying. So I think yeah. at some point, this offseason is going to come down to not saying Terry or Devontae, but it might be some situation where they're trying to figure out which way do we go. We want to play Devontae right. with LaMelo. We want Terry with LaMelo. And you mentioned age. I mean, even though Terry's more of a vet, the younger guy is Devontae. So if you're talking about age and trying to keep guys around the same core age, Devontae's in possibly. So there's no – to me, there's no, um, I guess – it's hard to tell right now what they're going to do. Because right, they love yeah. Devontae. Like, they love him. The organization oh, loves him. They yeah, built him should. essentially from the ground up. He's mm-hmm. a local guy being from mm-hmm. Raleigh. So, mm-hmm. for him to leave, to me, is going to take a lot. But, you, as you mentioned with Terry, he's playing out of this world, man. And they love him as well because of his mentality. So, how you decide which of those two you want, it's, it's tough. It's going to come down to the dollars. It's going to come down to the dollars because the two of them, again, you know, Devontae is more of a point. Terry Rozier is more of a two and that aspect of it. So having Melo and Devontae as two point guards can they make decisions. But, you know, Devontae can score, but it's totally different the way Rozier scored. That's all I would say. No, you're right. And, I, and, and the, just the final point, Terry Rozier is one of the best catch and shoot three point guys in the entire league. So that point is what you're trying to drive home here saying – if LaMelo's my point guard, I need somebody in the corner or somewhere waiting for him, the ball to come to his hands, parked, waiting for that shot to come, and just let me just go ahead and drain it if the ball comes to my hands. Yeah, absolutely. And so we, we talked about the offseason. What, what do you guys think the ceiling is for the Hornets this season? Uh, the roster is pretty much locked in now. Um, LaMelo, for the most part, is out. You know, they're reassessing after four weeks. Who knows? I don't think it's safe to count on him coming back. It's not really fair to count on him to come back with the as with the number of games remaining. But what what do you, what's the like best case scenario given the current setup of the team? In your opinion, uh, Muggsy, you want to go first? Oh, okay. I, I was gonna let Rob go. Okay, Rob, right, go ahead. <laughs> but I, I switch it up. Yeah. Okay. I'll go. Well, I'm, my my thing, you know, is if we can hold serve. You know, right now that we stay in fourth place, I mean, we, you know, we at home. And the teams that's out there, you know, we're capable. You know, we're really capable of of, of doing something, but it all comes down. And that was with Melo in mind, you know. So it all depends on how Devontae, how these guys continue to, to direct the ship and continue to keep going out there and, and playing good basketball. And But, you know, if they can get a – Host a, a playoff win, you know, getting out the first round gonna be challenging, but it's it's possible, you know. So that's where I, I that's where I'm, I'm I'm at right now. I I don't know where in terms of where they will be, but I do know that they'll win a game or two in the playoffs. Well, I agree with Muggsy. I mean, the the, the thing that right now is tough to say because if you look at the standings, the Hornets are in fourth. But I believe but, like only four, three or four <laughs> games separate four from like ten. Yeah, so. Yeah. If you're on a two, three game losing streak, you're out of playoffs. You know what I mean? So yeah. that to me is what worries me about the Hornets right now is their schedule. The second half is really tough, man. They got a lot of tough games coming up here at home. They got to play Phoenix, 
They got to play Denver. They got to play the Lakers. They got to play the Clippers. I got to play Boston. I'm forgetting teams, I'm sure, that they haven't even played just yet. But they got a tough second-half schedule. So it's hard to say where they're going to finish. Like, I want to say I had to be like sixth or seventh with LaMelo. Now I kind of want to almost lay like about ninth or so because I just feel like the schedule is just so hard. But as Monty said, you just can't tell because the East is so topsy-turvy that they could be good tonight and tomorrow will look like a different team and not be in the playoff hunt. So it's hard, man. But right now, I said the other day, I said they probably will finish ninth. If they put it where they have played without LaMelo, then I can see him finishing like around seventh or eighth. But I just – it's tough to hold serve right now. Knowing you're a couple of guys down and you're going to start getting worn down, you play a game almost every other day, essentially, for the next, yeah. what, two months. Totally. Yeah, and, and that, that's what makes the uh, the Watermaker deal. So, because we're one, the Hornets are one injury away in the backcourt from being, from, from it being an issue. You know, like, there seems to be no plans to get Riller involved right now. Uh, so, that Watermaker deal really, just to bring it full circle, really, this is why. They did this, basically. If any Hornets fans are really upset that they acquired this guy, it's because we need him. We need the the Hornets need the back court depth yeah. in a in a bad way. So um, no, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. That starting tomorrow, as we're recording this, five thousand fans in the building is is the new is the new cap. I'm hoping the fans can offer a little bit of energy to the the added amount of fans can offer a little more energy to the for the home court advantage as we tough it out the rest of the way you would think so i mean because listen to the players talk after the games um when they first had the fans come back last homestand they were really excited just to have their own people back in their stands because when they're on the road a couple times this year phoenix um places like that when you have fans in the arena and you kind of hear them cheering for the other team it kind of gives you that as much as you know that that i guess that in passion man like the yeah. juice start flowing the competitive nature takes over a little bit there so when you have fans home cheering for you and they've been waiting to cheer you on all season I know for a fact the players have said this helped them out so having 5,000 fans is going to be incredible for the Hornets and according to Governor Cooper's um, order they can have up to 10,000 I guess at some point as soon as they really want to so the Hornets they're going to be able to make the playoffs are going to have a good Cheering section behind them for the next two months plus things go their way. Yeah, I think they. Yeah, I think uh, Mayor uh, Governor Cooper increased the twenty five percent of of capacity, which will you know, which we all know that's the six man. You know, that's what allow these guys to you know feel that dr- extra adrenaline. You know, gives them that to where they know they're good out here, and, and that's what they all would play for. So they was very excited. I'm very sure they was very excited to see you know. The, their fans come back in the, in the building and support them. So we definitely going to need that going forward. And, uh, and again, it's just sad that the fans don't get an opportunity to see Melo, which the excitement was 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 about quite some bit. But they get to see a good team out there, a good hard team that that really fights night in and night out. And uh, and that's excited within itself. So hopefully they can kind of give them that extra edge, which they always did for us. And I know they're going to be excited, the fans, I should say, as well as the players. A big thank you to eBay once again for sponsoring the podcast, whether rare dead stock or the latest release. Find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. 
A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, the logo, the stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 and up, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. The fans all the time, man, like, like some of them, you can tell, are like the Mellow Ball fans, which is fine. He brought mm-hmm. a different crowd in here. But what is your impression of what JB has done so far with Horns? Because I think the average fan knows this team has been built up for the last three years with the, with, with the, with the help of JB and the coaching staff. But then you have a section of fans here who are saying, we're not getting enough. His rotations aren't, you know, consistent. He's playing this guy. What do you think about what JB has done so far in his three plus seasons here? I, I, I tip my hat off to JB. Coach JB has been a stellar, consistent for the Hornets organization. He's been that staple for those guys. And I love, you know, how he was able to not only create a good culture, but elevate some of these guys' game development. You know, look what was Kim Walker was going through, you know, when he was here. You know, it wasn't just Kimba. That, that had to do with the people that was around him. You know, and, and being able to put him in those positions and so forth. And then when that all took place, but, you know, JB has always been able to uh, get the most out of his players. I mean, the, the offense, it flows. You can see how it flows. And what he's doing this year has been, I think, his, his best year, mainly because how he's managing these young guys. You know, people don't understand how to manage young guys and how to keep them developing in the right way and not lose him. And what he done for Miles and then PJ and what he's doing for Melo as well as Monk, Malik, because he didn't lose Monk. You know, he kept he stayed with Malik, even though what Malik went through his situation last year when he was playing his best basketball. He stuck with Malik. You know, he didn't start off in the rotation early on in the season. But when Malik got his opportunity, Malik took advantage of it and he stayed with him. You know, so that goes to respect the type of coach and the relationship that he has with his players. And then, again, how he did mellow early on. And I was telling Sam, you know, people were saying, well, why are you taking him out early? Why did not start him, you know, throwing him in the fire? You don't want to do that to a young player like that. Even though he was young, age-wise, but in his mind, he has a little more experience by playing overseas, by having that understanding of the game, because the game has truly slowed down for him as a rookie to be this far advanced in the game. And that's what I told everybody, because he kind of, he's a mixture of a Penny Hardaway and a Jason Kidd. You know, the passing ability, the vision of us, the way we kind of see the floor, but the height-wise with with, with Penny being able to see over and get to the basket. But the pinpoint in terms of how to push the ball, get the ball ahead, you know, uh, and, and seeing it play before it even take place, you know, that's something that we can't teach and that's something that we have. And that's what I see within him. And that's why I say that JB has really done a tremendous job by managing him, taking him out early when things were going well, you know, and he didn't have them hiccups when he put him back in when things were going well. So that's what I was loving about it. And I shared that with some of the guys at the Hornets organization, how I really, truly saw the way he was kind of bringing this kid along. 
Well, it's, it's funny you mention that because I think some fans saw the exact opposite. As you said, like somebody who knows the game the way you do, JB was doing exactly that. Like he was trying to make sure he managed the mellow because as a young player who's 19 years old, coming to a league full of men, you can't throw him out there and say, no. hey, kid, here's the keys and go drive this bus. Because once you do that, you can't get him back from player who's dynamic because the fans and just it won't, it can't happen. Like once you give him the keys, you can't bring him back. So, but not start him right away. You kind of just took your time and kind of let him ease his way into things. And then when Devontae got hurt, it kind of was forced him to go into the game, even though they kind of were, I think they weren't ready to put him out there just as a starter. But he played so well, you couldn't bring him back and put him back on the bench. So just I agree with you. The way they handled LaMelo was fantastic because it helped him become the player he was before he got injured. If he was out there from the get-go starting, he probably has confidence and wouldn't be the player he was before he got hurt. So I agree with you totally there. Absolutely. And they just and they're just looking at that at the mellow, but I looked at it as when JB took over. And how he been able to create certain a certain culture and how he able to continue to allow the young players and the guys to grow, you know, and, and that's what, you know, for me as a player and as a one that knows that game, and I'm quite sure a lot of folks, you know, outside looking in, they can't see that. You know, they can't foresee that because they don't understand it. And that's okay. You know, but long as everybody involved knows the game plan and know what you're doing and you follow that, which would which they are, which they did, you follow it through because that's the end result. And that's where he is right now. For him, and this right here is also going to tremendously help him. Being able to now view the game from the sideline, being able to see it again from having success on the floor and now witness it from another aspect of it. So – Everything works in its own way and everything, you know, happens for its own reason. So, you know, I, I, I'm happy in the direction where the Hornets are as well as where Melo is right now. Real, real quick, do you think LaMelo gets rookie of the year? <laughs> you know what? I think he played enough games. I, yeah, I yeah, I had, I had him. I had, I mean, of course, we all had him rookie of the year. But, and I told everybody, this, this young kid, Edwards is starting to learn the game. He's starting to understand his game, and it's starting to slow down for him. His kid had 40 points the other night. And, um, and his ability to score the basketball is really becoming something impressive. And he reminds me of an aggressive D-Wade, you know, in the terms of the skill set. Um, so, but I still believe, you know, Melo has played enough, but it all depends on now what Edwards – how he finish it out in in a dynamic way. Got to be in a dynamic way. Just can't be, you know, he missed here and there. Got to be in a dynamic way because Melo showed enough that we're across the board from all stat standpoints that, you know, he deserved that award. Yeah, I mean, I think he deserves it too. I agree with you. Just It just depends on if the voters forget about what he's done because if Anthony Edwards goes out there, James Wiseman, somebody has a great second half of the season, games that are remaining for them, that's going to be more in the voters' mind and say, you know what, this guy played better than Melo for a longer period of stretch, so I'm going to give him the award. So Melo deserves it, hands down, but, you know, it depends on the voters and just what they think about his injury, if it was enough to kind of give him the award games-wise. And that's what I'm saying. It depends. These guys got to have a dynamic second half. It can't just be these type of games because, you know, it's going to stand out. You know, and that's why I say, you know, the Wiseman, he really got to have a big, big, Big second half in order for that because he went to the bench. And Edwards, you know, he got an opportunity. 
You know, he got an opportunity. The window is very small, but he got an opportunity because he can really, the second half, if he start putting up those numbers, you know, of course, as you just said, Rob, that's what everybody going to remember. And uh, and that's where everybody going to go by. But it got to be a fantastic dynamic way because people still got that mellow in their thought process. Well, Rod, thank you so much for joining joining us for the for this podcast. Uh, Rod, do you want to plug anything before we say goodbye? Yeah, uh, my website is uh, High Vibes. You can go to my Twitter feed, which is at Rod Boone, at R-O-D-B-O-O-N-E. I have a link to kind of sign up for the newsletter. It comes right to your inbox. Soon I type the stuff out and hit the send button. So check me out there. Check me out on Twitter, um, where I'm obviously talking about the game and interviews and stuff like that. So that's pretty much it. All right, brother. I appreciate it. And Muggsy, as always. Cheers. Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Hornets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.